I have never met anyone with more enthusiasm and aphorisms about the outdoors than our next guest, Earl B. Hunter Jr. Every time I speak to Earl, I feel like he's on the brink of some groundbreaking project, or at least that's the energy he always brings. Anyone that meets him learns that Earl offers something different to the outdoor industry and is quickly uniting us all. Continue listening, friends, and you'll see or hear exactly what I mean. The Appalachian Mountain Club invites adventurers, explorers, and outdoor leaders to share their astonishing stories. Stories that unite communities with inspiration, information, and entertainment. Elevating unheard and diverse stories because everyone is part of the outdoor community. This is the Unlikely Stories Podcast. Welcome everyone to the Unlikely Stories Podcast. I am your host, Derek Lugo. And I'm Carly Moray. Earl B. Hunter Jr. is the founder and president of Black Folks Camp 2, a marketing-driven business whose mission is to increase diversity in the outdoor industry by making it easier, more interesting, and more fun for Black folks to go camping. Earl is an experienced business leader across multiple industries and has been widely recognized for his exuberant personality, hard work ethic, and non-traditional approach to building relationships. I love Earl's energy because every time we hang out, go hiking, or we're talking on the phone, he leaves me with these words of wisdom that I think about for a while. And the last time we hung out, uh, as we were parting ways, he turns around and he says, Derek, if this is the last time I see you, remember, don't take wooden money. I go, okay, that's good advice. And then he continues, because you can't spend it. <laughs> and with that, let's kick it with my buddy, Earl B. Hunter Jr. Earl B. Hunter Jr., Welcome to the Unlikely Stories podcast. Woo, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here, and I look forward to having uh, some campfire conversation with you, my friend. Yeah, man. Yeah. So you are the founder of Black Folks Camp 2. Um, I love, first mm-hmm. of all, I love that, um, that title. Uh, share with our listeners your vision behind that powerful statement, that, that powerful title. Right on. So, so, so first of all, the title and the statement and the, our, our, the, the name of our company is absolutely true. Mm-hmm. Black folks camp too. And I got to tell you something. A lot of folks get confused when they see black folks camp too. We either got a chuckle or we get like a really, or we get like a, yeah, or we get like a, ah, <laughs> and I'm so glad we just get a reaction period. Black Folks Camp 2, we are a, a pretty delightful company. Uh, we, our job is to remove fear, add knowledge, and invite more Black folks to camp and enjoy the outdoor lifestyle with any and everyone. Your race, your age, or your gender does not matter. We encourage everyone to join us around the campfire so we can have some amazing conversations and we'll find out we have more sayings than we have differences. In regards to our company, uh, we are a, uh, a company that has a uh, marketing twist to it. It has a consultant twist to it. But what we are, we are a company driving the notion of not only just inclusion in the outdoors, 
we drive the notions of campfire conversations. I'm so excited to be heading this company because I know exactly where we're going. And I think that folks are going to love what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you and I went hiking last week and you had your Black Folks Camp 2 uh, shirt on and everyone, the people that we encountered, it was just joy. Um, and we, mm -hmm. you and I talked about adding the two to Black Folks Camp 2 because that title is direct and inclusive at the same time. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it's because of the two that when you see two, it's like the key to inviting all. Talk about your mindset when you said this is how I, because you could have just, you could have just named it Black Folks Camp, but you added two. Talk a little bit about mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, so, so here's the notion. Um, black folks do camp. Black folks have camp and black folks will camp. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, there, there, there are a lot of black folks who do camp. The thing is, is that most, there are a lot of black folks who don't know that these folks camp. Black folk, there are a ton of black folks who don't even know they can camp or they even want to camp. And so I figured if we put the two on the end, we'll let folks know that we'll let the, the marginalized community, which, the, which is black folk, which are black folks, we'll let them know, hey, there are a group of folks out there and there are people out there, we do camp, right? And also lets the groups out there, the, 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 the current, um, lifestylers who are out there, which are pretty much 90% white, uh, we say to those folks as well, hey, Black folks camp too. We, we camp, we enjoy this. Our job is not to have conversations with the folks who camp, Derek. Mm -hmm. Our job is not to have a lot of, con to, to get Black folks who camp to camp more. Our job is to go get folks, Black folks who don't camp, mm -hmm. don't know anything about camping, and they have no clue about camping to want to go camp more. So, we get it from both sides. We have folks that say, well, I'm black and I camp already. So and I say, well, the statement is true. Or we have folks who say, well, I see black folks camping all the time. Well, that statement is true because black folks camp two and two means as well. And it's also. And the other thing is two is a important part of our of our our logo. But the word folks, particularly where we are in the South and how we and where we our company was created in the South, the word folks. Man, it just sounds so inviting. Yeah. It sounds soothing. And it gives a feeling of, let's go. Let's go. It, it is that down south feeling. And so everything we did in regards to our logo, in regards to our company, uh, is really important, particularly even the word Black. You know, we needed Black folks to really, we needed Black folks to see and to feel that, that togetherness that they can go do this. It wasn't. Our company is not, the word black is not to exclude anyone. As a matter of fact, our business is all about inclusion, right? Mm -hmm. But that campfire, that campfire in the middle of our logo, it supersedes everything else around us because the campfire is the DNA. It's the mm -hmm. DNA within our company, within our voice and what we do. Yes, and you're talking about the Unity Blaze. Unity Blaze, I, man. I, I love the Unity Blaze. If you guys have not seen it, Google it right now. Unity Blaze. Um, it's it talk about the the design because I love the look of it and what it stands for. Yeah. So you know, there, you know, just to kind of go back a bit, you know, I've uh, been in the outdoor industry for a little over six years now. Uh mm -hmm. I was uh an executive in the industry for a little over four years. I, I really didn't focus on a lot and I don't focus on a lot right now on what makes the industry 
uh, why the industry is not better. I focus on how to make it better, how we're going to make it better. And so with that being said, uh, we, we focus 80% of our time uh, on the, the, the solutions and 20% of our time on the issues. That being said, we believe that the campfire, the campfire within the outdoor space and within the outdoor lifestyle is very important. Um, whether you're hiking, but whether you're staying overnight in the woods or where you're, whether you're at a traditional or untraditional campgrounds, the campfire is when you're going to have some of the most amazing conversations in your life. As a matter of fact, not only just a campfire, but what we found is a diverse campfire, a campfire that folks that don't look like me, a campfire that has folks that don't think like me, a campfire that has children, a campfire that have uh, folks that have different genders, ages. That's when the magic comes with the campfire. And I believe that that, that, that campfire is certainly the DNA of what we're trying to do and what we're going to do in regards to um, building and sustaining more inclusion in the outdoors. Earl, quick question. How were you introduced to the outdoors? That's a, that's a very cool story because uh, I tell folks I was a Gucci, Louis Vuitton, Jaguar driving, Italian suit wearing, jet setting executive traveling around not only just North America, but Asia, South America, Central America, India, closing deals, uh, doing import and export. And I never even thought about getting into the outdoor industry. I never even thought about going camping, period. I never thought about going into the outdoors at all. I never even thought that I could help possibly change the total narrative. And so I came to the I came to the industry, again, as an executive in the industry. I was introduced by uh, my, um, there was a company called Silver Sport that I actually came to head as the vice president of sales. My only job at Silver Sport was to take a product and drive it. And doing the driving of that product and understanding their business case, I found myself being one of the only black executives in the RV industry, which is a $144 billion industry. I traveled over 300,000 miles around North America selling in this cool camper to all the RV dealers. And being able to be in that space, I learned a lot about the outdoor industry. I learned about this, this lifestyle. And I also learned that I wanted to improve and shift the industry and shift the lifestyle where other folks that look like me would actually want to get into not only just the business, but also the lifestyle as well. And so not only I was a, a, a RVer, I was a car camper, but in regards to the entire outdoors and camping and backpacking, man, I'm, I'm all in. I love it all. As a matter of fact, the outdoors is where I found my freedom. It, I didn't find my freedom uh, driving down the freeway in a nice car. I didn't find my freedom uh, going to the nearest bar and having me a couple cocktails, which I like to do that too. I didn't find my freedom there. I found my freedom in the outdoors because it gave me an opportunity to go out and to, to think and to take that full on nature bath, right? There's so many people talked about that I didn't know about. So I'm, I'm excited, not only, I'm excited to have discovered the outdoor lifestyle, I'm more excited that I've discovered uh, my freedom in the outdoors. When you say freedom, can you just give us a little bit of background on what you think of when you say that word? Well, number one, I thought of my greatest idea I ever thought of my entire life in the outdoors, which is Black Folks Camp 2. 
Mm-hmm. Black Folks Camp 2 was thought of, it was manifested, it was, uh, it was driven from being in the outdoors. I took my son on a, a uh, camping trip around the country. As a matter of fact, the reason why I took my son on this camping trip around the country is because I had spent so much time driving the business for the company that I was working for, and I had not been around my son at all, my seven-year-old son. And so not being around my seven-year-old son at the time or my five-year-old daughter at the time, my son challenged me. He said, Dad, listen, you're going all the time, and it seems like you're going on a lot of vacations. And so I had to, to explain to my son that I was not going on vacations. And he also said to me, Dad, you said you're going to take me to Mount Rushmore, right? And you haven't done that yet. You need to talk that talk and walk that walk. <laughs> He's calling so, you out. so <laughs> I decided June of 2007. Yeah, he called me out, man. I, June 2017, I decided that we're gonna, I'm going I'm to walk that walk. So I, I picked my son up on his last day of school. And he and I traveled almost three months around the country. Went to 49 campgrounds, wow. 20 states. Wow. And, and, and at that point, we only saw one black family. Hmm. And at that point, that hmm. one black family challenged me. And at that point is when the thought process of black folks camp two. Black folks camp two. The campfire, the campfire is where I met those folks around there and had those conversations. So, yeah, you, you talk about freedom on the trail. Um, I was able, the one thing I always say that. I'm from New York City, and when I was on the Appalachian Trail, I was able to complete my thoughts. I was out there, and so many ideas. Um, my entire book was formulated on the trail uh, because of what I was doing, and also I was able to piece it together. So, yeah, when you're out there, there's something about being out in the wilderness yeah. where you have that freedom to set everything aside and just yeah. be there. It, man, you, 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 yeah, listen, Derek, let me tell you something, man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not only like, like when I'm in my, when I'm, when I'm in my house, sometimes I have to tone it down because there are other people in the house or family. When I'm, when I'm, when I'm at a, at a, at a restaurant, maybe I have to tone it down a bit, but when I'm in the outdoors, man, when I'm trailing, when I'm out there by myself, man, I can come up to a tree and hug a tree, man. Yeah, man. I never yeah. thought how, <laughs> how revitalizing that is to your soul. I never thought how amazing it is to walk on a trail and just break out on a song, mm-hmm. you know? When I wake up in the morning, love, and the sunlight hits my eyes. <laughs> I love that, that's my, that's my thing, you know? So, mm-hmm. so, so being able to be free of, of, of stress, being able to be free uh, of uh, just the ideal of being uh, captivated by nature is, uh, is amazing mm-hmm. to me. And I know for a fact that, uh, that I found my freedom in nature and in the woods because uh, there's nowhere else I have that same feel. Nowhere. It's great because you have a lot of energy and um, I know you got to tone it down when you're with family and in the public or something, but 
I'm pretty sure when you're out in the wilderness, you're scaring the, the animals away. So yeah, you have a little <laughs> more freedom as well. Hey, you, you know, I think my family and friends will come to realize that I, I'm the same way all day. I think yeah, the man. trees will figure... I think the trees have figured it out too, and the bears and everything else out there figured it out. You know what I'm saying? They're like, hey, here comes Earl. He's coming, baby. We hear him. There's from Earl. What's up? Away. Yeah, the trees are like, what's up, Earl? What's happening, man? I'm like, what's happening, baby? Y'all doing all right? Let's go. Earl, yeah. Earl, you, stuff. You, your energy is just amazing. And you inspire me every single time we talk. And it's one of the reasons why I wanted you on this podcast. Um, share with us who. Could just you're such a grand human being, and I'm sure you inspire many people. But who inspires Earl B. Hunter Jr.? Mm -hmm. Well, you know there are a lot of people, and I, and I think I've said this to you before. There, uh, I'm a good times kid, man. I grew up in the hood, man. I grew up in, in areas where most folks don't want to go. Uh, I grew up in the. What I mean by that, in any most areas have hoods, you know. And I say that I, I, I say that with endearment. Mm -hmm. um, the area that I grew up in. Um, you know, you saw those areas on the news quite a bit, you know, and they weren't really the good news. And so um, being in that area, being from that particular this space in my life, there are a lot of people that helped me. Um, I played I played football at a pretty high level. And so there are a lot of coaches that inspired me. There are a lot of uh, there are a lot of people in my neighborhood that inspired me. But I got to be frank with you. Um, the people that inspire me the most are teachers. Mm. Uh, teachers inspired me the most because teachers saw some things in me that I didn't even see in myself. Uh, teachers, they, they saw a young man who was growing up in an area that was a, a bit dilapidated, um, that would come to school every day excited, but necessarily wasn't that, didn't do that well academically. But they didn't toss me aside. What they did was they honed in on my skills that I could do, which is talking. As a matter of fact, one of my teachers uh, would say to me, you need to manifest that into a way for you to be compensated for your ability to hold attention and your ability to make folks around you feel like they're special. And to be frank with you, what my teacher really didn't realize was um, that was uh, it's, it's really a gift. My mother, uh, my mother raised six children on her own, mm. you know, in those areas. And, uh, um, and she, uh, my mother's tough. She yeah. tough. She's tough. And she, um, she, she really wanted me and my siblings to be better than we were. And, um, and, and, and I, and I, and I know that, uh, that her strength is, uh, it lives in me. She's still alive and she lets me know it every day. We're taking a quick break. We'll be right back with the show. Do you squat when you pee? Then Kula Cloth is for you. Hi, I'm Anastasia Allison, and I'm the founder of Kula Cloth, which is a fancy way of saying that I get to talk to people about peeing within the first five minutes of meeting them. Kula Cloth is an antimicrobial, reusable, zero-waste option for anybody who squats when they pee. I created Kula after being frustrated by seeing discarded toilet paper in the wilderness and after feeling uncomfortable while drip-drying on hikes. If you've never used a pee cloth, it's a complete game changer, and I hope that Kula will become a small part of making your best adventures even better. Let's get back to the show. So you love the outdoors, um, yep. and uh, but you are also business oriented. Um, so let's Absolutely. talk, let's talk outdoor business and you don't have to go into details or anything like that, but 
what is your outdoor mission statement? What are the goals for your for your company? Yeah. So our company, Black Folks Camp 2, you know, we're twofold. Actually, we're threefold. We remove fear, add knowledge, and invite more Black folks to camp and enjoy the outdoors with any and everyone. We also want to remove fear, add knowledge, and invite the current lifestylers who are out in the outdoor industry, which are pretty much 90% white folks, to have the confidence to help remove fear from them, to give them confidence to add knowledge to folks that don't know anything about the outdoors, and also to uh, give them the power to invite folks that don't look like them into the outdoors, uh, in, into the outdoor lifestyle. And also, the, set, the third part is we remove fear, add knowledge, and invite the industry, the industry mm-hmm. to, to, to uh, remove their fear to say, hey, look, we want to see other folks that don't look like us in the industry. We want to see the industry uh, evolve where now there, we have the control to make sure that the outdoors is more inclusive because we have the bandwidth to go out and get that customer. Mm-hmm. And so I stay on the business part because, listen, whether businesses want their, whether you can twist their hearts or not, if you're in business, you need to twist your pocket because you're going to have to be, have a sustainable business, right? And so when, when you understand the economics that Black folks, you know, we, our spending power is $1.2 trillion per year. You have to look at the outdoor industry and say, so you don't want to market the black folks and to possibly uh, possibly uh, change their thinking or shift their thinking from from one product to your product. Why wouldn't you want to do that? Right. And then to black folks, we say, so we we want to help you shift your mindset from uh, just doing the. the, the common sports um, in the outdoors or doing the things that we've always done. And now we want to help them remove fear so they can come and enjoy this freedom that we felt in the outdoors. And right in the middle, which is the lifestyler who has been in the, been in the outdoors all their lives, it's been part of their culture, but they've only seen folks that look like them. Mm-hmm. Now they, we ask them the question, do you want to see other folks that don't look like you? And the overwhelming answer is yes. Well, if that's the case, our job is to help get them there. Our job is to help each one of the groups find themselves in the outdoors and find themselves to do what they want to do. We want to get more black folks in the outdoors. Lifestylers have said they want to see more folks that don't look like them in the outdoors. And the industry itself wants to see more folks purchasing their products that have necessarily been, necessarily been traditional folks doing that. And so that's our job to tie that all together. And we've been doing that with one simple, one simple way, which is the unity blaze. Mm-hmm. I love, I love your saying, um, you say you don't twist arms, you twist hearts. We, we twist hearts, man. We twist yeah. hearts. Because when you twist somebody's arm, like I don't want to have to make you do something you don't want to do there. Yeah, I don't want to make you market to black folks. I don't want to make black folks love the outdoors. I want to twist folks' hearts enough where they feel like that they could that they could actually advance their thinking and their mindset and their their body and their their their, their thoughts to move into a place that so many folks have used for their health and wellness, right? You already pay for the 640 million acres of public land. So why not want to use that for your health 
and also use it for your wealth. Our job here is also is to share with folks uh, that the outdoors is wonderful. The outdoors is amazing. I tell the industry and tell the folks who care about the outdoors, if you truly believe that the outdoors is amazing, wouldn't you want to invite more folks to care about the outdoors too? Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the way you do it, um, when I wrote my book, I wanted to keep it positive because obviously when you're in, in the wilderness, when you're hiking for six months, not everything's going to go the way you want it to go. Right. But I wanted the details of the book to be, let me give you the, the good things because I fell in love with it. And I'm not going to write a book about all the bad things that happened because I'm not going to inspire anyone to be out, to, to go out there and not just, not to do an entire um, trail, long distance trail, but just to go out there. So your energy and the love that just comes out in your words uh, makes me want to be out there, makes me want to be next to you and, and, and walking down the trail. So, um, I just want to say that. And I, and I dig that, that brother, man, that warmed my heart, man. I mean, what you just said right there, Derek, man, it, it, it warms my heart because, you know, I I said in the beginning of this conversation, we're a delightful company, man. I'm a delightful individual. (laughs) You are, you know, I, I, meaning that, you know, I got problems just like everybody else. I wake up with, with the same, issues that many folks wake up for wake up with the thing is though i gotta have to make a decision right i have to make a decision if i'm going to walk out wake up and go through my day grumpy or if i'm gonna go through my day feeling um feeling excited about life well if i'm going to wake up every day feeling excited about life well i gotta translate that over into the outdoors as well right and so when i see people when i see people on the trail i have those conversations with them and also my job is to, when I see people who are not on the trail, I need to get those folks in that particular space, in that place, in my happy space, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that this space would be so happy six and a half years ago. And there's a lot of black folks out there have no clue, have absolutely no clue of the freedom that they will find in the outdoors. Yeah. And I'm excited about this. I'm excited. I'm excited to empower I'm excited to empower the current lifestylers to share and to share that freedom that they feel in the outdoors, just like you share it, Derek, in your book, just like I share it when we're on the trail. When you and I were together, man, I know you felt that. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just you and I, man. It was the feeling that we gave other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? That's, that's the joy, man. We can talk about how bad. Listen, we, you, I have, there's, there's so much data. I can talk about how how the 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 how America and the laws that kept black folks from um, from uh, being segregated in the outdoors. I could talk about the laws that have kept had kept black folks before before 1965. The laws that kept uh, state parks segregated, national parks segregated. I could talk about the bears. I could talk about the animals, man. But I'd rather talk about the trees. Mm-hmm. I'd rather talk about the trees. I'd rather talk about how we now can talk about the solution to get more black folks to enjoy this. I understand the issues. I know the issues very well. We have a ton of data on the issues, but I tell you what I want though. I wish we had more data, which we're creating more, more thought process on the solutions. How do we, how do we, how do we fix it? How do we shift it? Where now it becomes something that we all can talk about and how we actually change it and how we made it better. Yeah. yeah, 
So speaking about that, um, the gear comes into my mind and gear, like you need gear to go outside Mm -hmm. and gear can be really expensive. When I threw hiked the AT in 2013, I didn't have a budget big enough to buy all the gear I needed. So instead of buying gloves, I wore socks over my hands, which doesn't like, I know Derek's giving me a crazy look right now. I wore socks over my hands and it didn't, it didn't break the trip, but but it did. Did they look like socks or were they like yeah, mitten, but I wore, they like mittens? No, they were wool socks. They were wool socks. They were dark socks. Okay. On my hands. Well, I wore, I wore, I wore socks when I was in school with my hands when I needed gloves. So, okay. you know, translation, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know? So, so my question is, what do we do? What do we do about making gear more financially accessible? Well, well here's the thing right here. here. Here's the thing. This is, this is real cool. The camping, we, we, what we've done is, what the industry has done for the most part is made camping uh, too, it, it's too much going on. Like, like it's, it's too complicated. You, you know, you, everybody, and I tell Derek this all the time. Derek, man, I praise you and I praise you too for uh, uh, trailing the AT. That's amazing. But those are not my aspirations, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I did some through hiking. I, I actually did some sectionals on the AT and that was cool. I like doing maybe three days, maybe four days at the max. That's cool. But my aspirations are not to uh, to trail the entire AT or the mountain sea trail or any of that. My aspirations uh, are to have a nice car camping and maybe trail a couple of days and have a good time. And so my thing is, if we share with folks, if the industry and folks would share with folks how amazing it is to have just one night in the outdoors, to have one day of camping uh, at a traditional or non-traditional campground, or talk about the campgrounds that have uh, uh, water parks, or campgrounds that have pools, and campgrounds that have all these amenities and things of that nature. What you'll find is that these same folks can go into the to go into stores that they go in and buy baseball and football equipment. Uh, or my black folks, when we when we're going to buy our sneakers and things of that nature, we can go into those areas and find that we have there are affordable affordable things to do. As a matter of fact, I tell folks all the time, camping is one of the most affordable vacations of all time. Yeah, I mean, folk man, black folks are going to Disney World and to uh, Carowinds and all these places, and we spend thousands of dollars to do those type things. But we can go into a store and get us a tent for hundred bucks and use it forever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great point. It, I, I think the gear, I, you have to have gear for certain for certain projects, certain certain things. You have to have the right gear because the right gear is going to make you going to make you experience better. When you want to spend time with your your family at a traditional or non traditional campground, you find yourself a tent, you find yourself an RV, you find yourself a cabin, you find yourself a yurt, you find yourself a hammock. You find yourself, you find the things that you need for that particular time and for that particular space. Yeah, because in the long run, it, it's going to be cheaper because you, you actually spend the money on the tent and you can use it as much as you want. So you're not out there going to Disney World or whatever and spending that money you have in the tent and you can do more with what you just bought. So yes. All right. Derek, so on the business... Yeah, there. Listen, that's what I'm saying from a business perspective. The business perspective of it is, and this is why I love being in this on the side, is that we we have to share with the industry. You have to get black folks, particularly, 
excited about the outdoors first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Once you get folks excited and you remove this fear, you add some knowledge and you now you start the invitation and you start to give knowledge, you, what you will find is folks are going to purchase gear for their needs and for what they want. Mm-hmm. You, 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 everybody's not going to want to backpack the AT. Everybody's not going to want to, um, to go on long trips, but people can back up into a, a, a nice car camping spot, pull out a tent, and they pull out a tent, they put out their stove, their grill. We have to make and normalize the outdoors as just a big cookout, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And we have to normalize that and make it feel like you're going on a cool little family outing, but you're just going to stay overnight. And you mm-hmm. can just decide what you're going to stay overnight in. This is, this is not rocket science, folks. But however, however, there's some factors that we must, we must alleviate, which is fear. We have to add knowledge and the invitation should be there sincerely. Yes, right? yes. And what you were saying, it's, there's no one way to do the outdoors. And I think- Not at people, all. When people think of camping, it's, it's, they just don't, they don't know. They just, I, I love hiking. So I like to hike and then get to the campground. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my brother just loves to, he'd rather just drive up to a camp and just pitch a tent. You know, I like to work for that. All the, the pleasures we're going to get from that. But again, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. his way is not the right way or the wrong way. Like it's the, any, it, everyone, like we say on the trail, hike your own hike. It's, you know, do the outdoors, you know, your own way. Right. Yeah. Well, well, there, you know, we took out over 400 people last year, you know, just to get, get some imperial data, man. And we took people RVing, we took them backpacking, hammock camping, cabin camping, yurt camping, cowboy camping, man, every camping. I mean, we took people <laughs> all kind of camping. And we let, and we, and we kind of, you know, we got some data on what people like and what they don't like. Mm-hmm. And the, the thing is, is that everyone likes something different for the most yeah. part. Yeah. You know, you know, if you put five in a category, maybe three people like four of the things, one person like, no, nah, I'm not doing that no more, but I would do this. This is the thing, this is the data that businesses, and this is the data that the industry needs to be able to, 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 to properly invite folks to that particular product. Listen, if you have a person who says, look, I, I tried the backcountry camping, that's not my thing. Why would an advertiser continue to focus on that particular individual? That individual may like front range camping. So now that data for that front range camping person now becomes available for us to have dynamic conversations and marketing uh, exposure in that particular space. Again, this is not rocket science. We, 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 we have to make sure that we understand that marketing is marketing. We just got to get rid of one big deal, which is the historical fear. And that's what I believe is important in regards to how we uh, change the narrative. I love it. Earl B. Hunter Jr. This was informative and fun conversation. Thank you for joining us uh, in the Unlikely Stories podcast. Thank you. Well, listen, I hope you guys have the most amazing day of your life, but I hope tomorrow is better. Carly. Derek. We're not gearheads, but. We're going to talk about gear. How about tents? Yeah. Are you a tent guy or are you a hammock guy? I'm a tent guy. Um, I decided before I even stepped into any type of 
wooded area that I was going to spend all my time in a tent, not in a hammock or using shelters because I was really afraid of um, ticks, of Lyme disease, and I have dreadlocks, and they would have a party in my <laughs> dreads. So I wanted to, I wanted a tent, and I ended up going with a, an REI a quarter dome because it was it's light, uh, and it, it was for my through hike. It was perfect, but since it was my only tent, after I through hiked, I I got different ones that didn't weren't as I don't, I don't know if it was because I was so used to uh, six months in the woods with the um, the one tent that I was like, okay, that's I'm going to stick with it. But I tried other ones just to give it a, a shot, and it just didn't didn't work out. What kind of tent do you like? Well, or do you do a tent? I use a tent. I'm not really into cowgirl camping, you know? Yeah, I don't really like that. You can get bugs in your ears. And I heard this one story of some person getting a moth in their ear when they were sleeping. They had to get off trail, go to the doctor. So now if I do cowgirl camp, it's just out of – sheer exhaustion that I don't feel like setting up the tent and I'm, I'm passing out and I'll throw a bug net over my head okay <laughs> so I look really good out there <laughs> passed out on the ground but um I do use a tent and right now I'm using the Gossamer Gear 1 tent and it's for one person but I swear you could fit two in there it's super spacious I'm six feet tall so I need all the room I can get it's easy to set up it just uses my hiking poles and it's good with wind. It's great with moisture because I hate when tents get that that dew, mm-hmm. you know, building mm-hmm. up. And then it's it's not raining, but somehow you wake you're, up and you're it's, wet. You're wet, yeah. I never had that problem with my tent. There was other tents that were leaking, and my tent lasted through for my through hike and a few uh, weekend hikes afterwards. But yeah. Well, it sounds like we both agree tents are the way to go. Yes. So thank you everyone for listening to this week's gear segment. Let's end the show with a brief word from the Appalachian Mountain Club. If there's one thing the last 18 months has taught us, it's that access to nature and the outdoors is vital to our health and happiness. However, not everyone can easily walk out their door to experience the benefits of the outdoors. As the Center for American Progress outlines in their 2020 report, The Nature Gap, At the Appalachian Mountain Club, the staff and volunteers are not just working to protect the lands, waters, and trails we love, but to help close this gap and create a more equitable outdoors for all. Heather Klisch, Appalachian Mountain Club's Senior Director of Conservation Policy, is here to talk more about this. Welcome, Heather. Thank you. I'm glad to be here at the Unlikely Stories podcast. Here at AMC, we are in the business of getting people outdoors. And we are also in the business of protecting the outdoors that people enjoy every day. And so what that means, and the group that I work with, we are about protecting the mountains, rivers, trails, forests, all of the things that we experience and what we experience when we are there. So it may be something like access to a place. It may be advocating for protecting special places. It may be ensuring that we as a region and the states within our region are addressing climate change in a way that we continue to experience the things that we're able to enjoy and the nature that we're able to enjoy when we're out there.
Environmental and conservation work is directly related to equity in the outdoors. And we as a community are receiving more and more information every year, every day about what that connection is and the work we have to do. And I'll cite, for example, a, a report that came out Oh gosh, I think it came out perhaps even last year, but it came out within the last year, put out by the Center for American Progress called The Nature Gap. And it illuminates not only the connection between the availability of nature and at the outdoors, the connection with that and equitable access to the outdoors, but how how much it's related to the work that we have to do in our region. What this report found, was that through, through the study that they did was that people of color are demonstrably more likely than white people to live in areas that are deprived of nature. And that is defined as technically, uh, def defined as being in census tracts that have higher areas of natural areas converted to basically developed uh, areas of natural areas that are lost to human activities than the state median. That's how it's defined. A lot of people are interested in how that's defined. So overall across the country, there's a tremendous disparity. Uh, when we talk about equitable access, there's a tremendous disparity in who has close by access to nature and who does not. The states and AMC's region have actually some of the greatest extremes in the nature gap than many states across the country. And I'll give Massachusetts as an example. We think of ourselves oftentimes on the forefront of, of, of addressing matters of, of equity in the outdoors. In Massachusetts, 94% of people of color live in areas that are deprived of nature compared to 14% of white people who live in areas like that. And it continues on and on across our region. In New Jersey, 86% of people of color are living in nature deprived areas where only 25% of uh, of white people are living in these nature deprived areas. In New Hampshire, 90% of people of color are living in areas that are deprived of nature compared to only 17%. So I, I give those examples from around our region because it is, it is part of the way that our region is developed and it sets it, 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 it illuminates the work that we have to do as an organization with our partners, our peers and our members to do everything that we can to close that nature gap. And when we talk about equitable access to the outdoors and the work that AMC does, if we are advocating for good access to nature and the creation or protection of high quality natural areas that, that can offer tremendous experiences, we have to be sure that we're doing that for everybody. The Unlikely Stories podcast is produced by the Appalachian Mountain Club. Production design, editing, and show segments are produced by Kelly Welch and me, Derek Lugo. With sound design by Adam Watkins. The Unlikely Stories podcast episodes are written by Derek Lugo. With writing assistance from Carly Murray. For more Unlikely Stories, follow us on Instagram at Unlikely Stories Podcast. And hey, if you're digging what you hear, take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. This helps us bring the pod to more people.